discussion of our film fiction and all that's fantastic i am one of your co-hosts philip from the state of new hampshire in the u.s of a and with me in the state of michigan this is eric eric how are you sir i am well excellent and in the state of new york hi this is mike mike how are you sir i'm okay phil how are you uh doing all right doing all right and in the commonwealth of virginia hey this is barrett barrett how are you oh uh, you know back to work but everything other than that's great Fair enough, fair enough. All right, so uh, for folks who we are, we are, as stated, the Dark Discussion Podcast. Basically, what we do here is talk about films. So horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, outhouse, midnight movies, foreign language films, cult films, drive-in fear, and the like. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, we also have a website, darkdiscussions.com, uh, where you can find all our podcasts that your co-hosts that are on this podcast also participate in other podcasts and we do have uh, an email dark discussions at aol.com where you can email us your thoughts just put NDDP uh, which stands for dark discussions podcast in the subject and then whatever subject you want and then we can do a search for DDP in our email box and it'll pop up because it will be mixed in with all the screeners and stuff that we get and uh, so sometimes it's hard to sift through and find emails so if you do DDP in the subject a quick search boom it all pops up and we can uh, see your emails Uh, also today is January 4th 2024 that we're recording this because some of our listeners like Pam are always curious when we record our episodes because sometimes they are not released immediately they uh, stay in the queue to be released uh, on a rainy day or in the future or a weeks that we can't record but we always have a new episode weekly uh, we've been around for 12 to 13 years now and uh, and we've been pretty pretty consistent to get almost an episode weekly out and uh, by the way just give credit where it's due that's all Phil Phil makes that happen Oh, well, thank you very much. But again, without uh, you guys, uh, I was doing a solo podcast for about 10 weeks, and then out of the blue, Eric contacted me and said, hey, I'll help you out. And then Mike, at the same time, had already posted on a, a Facebook uh, – not a Facebook, some – some. It was the bulletin board, wasn't it, on Horror yeah, Center? Yeah, 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 saying I was looking for either Mike or this guy from San Francisco, a policeman, that would always call in uh, to their podcast. And I, and I thought both of them were pretty intelligent. And uh, Mike saw it, and uh, he contacted me, and so uh, he joined in. And then Mike, out of the blue, after like six weeks, said, why don't we just do it all three of us together instead of just two? And I thought, oh, that's a great idea. So that's how it all started. So around episode 26, and I think it was uh, The Thing – Remake? Uh, no, the it'd be theme, nice the if theme. people could go listen to that. Yeah, no, I gotta put that. <laughs> so yeah, we, we, we moved to a, up, Yeah, we moved to a new server. See, I knew, I knew, I knew. As soon as Eric gave you credit for it's all Phil's fault, I was like, he's setting him up to take blame for something. <laughs> it wasn't a plan; it just happened. Yeah. 
so so uh, yeah, we moved to a new server, and uh, I loaded uh, about I don't know fifty percent to seventy percent of the podcast, and I still have to load the rest of them. And it's been a year that and I haven't, or maybe even longer, and I still haven't done it. So I apologize. Uh, but either way, um, yeah, for people uh, who are wondering, I'm Johnny. Come lately. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, actually, uh, I needed someone to do my Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews podcast with me because uh, I was doing that solo, and I, I felt it kind of was horrible, similar to like Dustin Watson doing Ha Ha Karada. He, uh, <laughs> he was doing it solo, and it's like it kind of sucks doing doing podcast solo. So um, so I, I asked Barrett to uh, join me on that one, uh, a fellow co-worker where we work, and uh, then uh, we brought him on. Uh, to talk discussions. Um, all right, so um, we do have uh, the website, darkdiscussions.com, as I mentioned. And uh, Eric, uh, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? They can find links to our Patreon account in there. Patreon is a service that allows you to financially contribute to your online artists like podcasters. Producing this show is not free. We have to pay for things like domain names and website hosting and computer equipment and movie tickets and so on and so forth. So if you would like to help offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can do it. You can go to patreon.com slash dark discussions or click on the Patreon badge that's on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed, indeed. And uh, speaking of uh, that, uh, next week, uh, well, not next week, because next week we're going to do our 20... 23 uh, recap episode. I don't want to say best of because it wasn't a good year. <laughs> so we'll just say recap. Wise choice. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but the following week after that, it looks like we may be doing a, uh, a Patreon pick. Uh, or at least we're going to do it within the next three weeks, put it that way. And uh, tonight is the new quarter. Uh, each quarter we, we do pick out a, our randomizer hat there, spreadsheet, whatever you want to call it. A new Patreon pick to add to the queue to uh, record. And uh, Mike, you said you had a, a computer-generated uh, numerator. Or, I, I do, yes. Or dice Random roller. number generator. Yeah, yeah, or the bingo balls. <laughs> And the winner is number 83. 83, yeah, old school. All right, so 83 is, in the 70s, let me go a little further. 83 is Raising Cain. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's a that's a Cronenberg film, isn't it? Oh no, no, it's a David Lynch film, isn't it? It's one of them. Yeah. I don't know, but it stars John Lithgow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking. Um, is it Palma? Yeah. Uh, who is it? The Palma. Oh yeah, it's the Palma. You're right. That's I knew it was one of the old school guys. Yeah, I think you're right. It's the Palma. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, the Palma. Brian De Palma. Yeah. So. Uh, that will be uh, an interesting pick. Yeah, that, that, that's a good one. All right, excellent. And that one, I'm not sure who picked that one because that was early. And back in those days, I did not put names uh, next to uh, the choices. So sorry about that. it's possible it was chosen by somebody who's not even a patron anymore. <laughs> that is true. It, it could be someone that doesn't even listen to parts anymore. I mean, who knows? We don't know. It's been 13 years, 12 years that we've been doing this. And Patreon for I don't know how long. But uh, either way, uh, all right. So raising canes. Yeah, that's exciting. I've never seen it. Never seen it. I do really? remember. 
Yeah, wow. believe it or not. But I do remember uh, Cisco and Ebert reviewing it. I, I, I watched it back then, watched them review it. But I never I'm, saw a, it. I'm a bit of a John Lithgow fan, although I've never caught up with 30 Rock. Well, I'm a yeah, fan. I just Rock. don't um, uh, Third Rock from the, third rock from the Sun. Third Rock from the Sun. Still, still yeah. one of my favorite all-time in-jokes ever, which um, John Lithgow – so for those who for some reason don't know, John Lithgow and his co-stars are aliens undercover investigating Earth. And I did not know cameo, that. And yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a cameo appearance – by, by William Shatner as their supreme leader. <laughs> and so it, they go to pick him up at the airport, and Shatner comes out of the gate with a shocked look on his face and said, you know, Supreme Commander, how was your flight? It's, it, was, it was awful. There was this thing on the wing of the plane. And oh. John Lithgow <laughs> says, oh, I saw point. that too. That's right. It was uh, Shatner in the, the Twilight one, too? Shatner was the original one. Yeah, and let's go. was in the movie. It was in the remake. That's, that's funny hilarious. Shit. That's a yeah. good wink and a nod to everybody. That's awesome. Um, speaking of the <laughs> film, uh, it's a 31-year-old film. Good God. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I, I know yeah, I saw... It. I'm pretty sure I saw that one in the theater. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I remember seeing it on Cisco and Ebert. And they're both dead. Yes, yes, they Rest are. in peace. Rest in peace. They're both both. dead Because uh, they didn't like the film. I don't know. Did they like the movie? Uh, they, they were lukewarm on it. They were lukewarm. Oh, lukewarm. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the good old thumbs man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when it came out, it, it wasn't getting rave reviews. It was getting uh, mixed reviews. And um, Cisco and Ebert were, were the type that was saying, yeah, you know, it was all right. It was whatever. So did they give a thumbs up or thumbs down? Or did one give one each so they could I, I, I think, nah. I think Cisco may have not liked it and Ebert liked it. Like, how that sounds about right. Yeah, oh. yeah. 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 So, anyway. Uh, we'll talk about that when we do the episode. I'll, I'll bring up the Ebert and Cisco, or Cisco and Ebert review again, um, and I'll, I'll make sure I know the, the actual uh, ratings, <laughs> the scores they gave it to. Uh, but either way, either way, uh, once again, thank you to uh, the Patreon folk. Uh, we don't really uh, promote it as much as well. We promote it weekly, but that's about it. But we don't um, get too we many. We gave up. Is what Phil's saying? Yeah, we don't get too many Patreon folk. Um, <laughs> uh, as as we used to, uh, as 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 media uh, and whatnot has become, uh, social media has become more and more um, just like TV and video games, where you, you have niches, niches. Uh, you know, you you don't you don't uh, go on as much and all that. I, I mean, you know, it's all good. Anyway, um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. That. Just, I don't either. Yeah. So either way, um, yeah, I know we, that we can we can uh, probably get into our episode uh so this will be the last movie that we discuss from 2023 before we do our final uh recap episode and this one will be released uh next week probably around the the 14th or 15th or 16th uh, so uh because uh, ne- next week is going to be the dark harvest episode uh which is actually in two days from now it'll be released so uh we'll have our recap near the end of january um all right though we're recording it next week all right so uh, i guess we can get into our topic tonight so uh, eric uh, what are we going to discuss tonight 
Tonight, we're talking about a movie that's currently available for digital rental called Suitable Flesh. She has the perfect life, the perfect husband, <laughs> the perfect career. I want to help you. Oh, I'm not so sure you can. The perfect flesh. What just happened? From the twisted of Joe Lynch. It felt so real. I was in his body. And the universe of H.P. Lovecraft. Who are you? Really? Flesh is a brand new film that will actually um, is on digital rental right now, but or purchase, but it'll be uh, landing on Shutter near the end of uh, this month, if not early February. Oh, cool. Twenty-four. Yep. Uh, the the film is uh, directed by Joe Lynch, uh, who uh, some folks may know from the sequel and somewhat favorable uh, reviewed Wrong Turn to Dead End. Uh, that was his uh, his uh, one of his big films uh, in the past. He did Mayhem as well, which was another pretty damn good film that uh, uh, he did. Everly was another pretty good one. Uh, so he has a, a couple of pretty decent films in, in his repertoire, uh, part of that new generation of filmmakers that came around with Adam Green and Eli Roth and whatnot, uh, though uh, he hasn't... Uh, uh, got him as, as famous as, as Roth, uh, probably about the same level as Green, uh, except for the, the TV show that Green had. Um, the film also, though, was uh, written by uh, Dennis uh, Paoli, who uh, is a well-known screenwriter and uh, uh, kind of a cult following because uh, he's the screenwriter of uh, numerous uh, classic horror films, uh, such as Reanimator, From the Beyond, uh, Spellcaster, um, The Pit and the Pendulum, uh, he did Castle Freaks, Dagon, uh, and he did Ghoulies 2, 
Uh, but uh, as you may notice, he, a lot of those films that he did were either for uh, Stuart Gordon or uh, Charles Band and Charles's uh, son Albert Band, uh, and then Brian Usna, who uh, was a producer um, on most of uh, uh, Stuart Gordon's films. So, so uh, he's done of. Uh, a lot of stuff for just a handful of folk, and oddly, a lot of his stuff has become really, really popular uh, and cult following. So it's kind of surprising that he didn't uh, uh, make it to Hollywood as a main screenwriter after the successes he's had. Um, so this is his latest. Uh, the film uh, actually has a pretty good cast too. Uh, Heather Graham and uh, Barbara Crampton are the two nominal leads of the film. Uh, Heather Graham. Uh, who was a big A-lister for years in Hollywood, um, and as, uh, as she's uh, recently become more of a uh, character actress, but uh, here she gets to, uh, in an indie film, uh, lead, be the lead. Um, then also Bruce Davidson's in it, who pretty much a lot of folks know, uh, and then Judah Lewis, and then uh, Jonathan Shock, Stock. Um, and that's pretty much... Uh, main cast anyway so um the film is receiving uh uh actually pretty damn good reviews uh by a lot of critics too 67 percent for an indie film uh it's been noticed uh but it's getting 85 percent uh good reviews uh by critics and of course i don't have uh the people meaning the audience, but I'm bringing it up right now, and that came up good, thank God for the internet. Uh, they, it's only given it 60%, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but I could see uh, why most critics liked it. They liked most of Paoli's uh, written films from the past um, and whatnot. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about why there's a discrepancy of 25%, which is kind of strange. Um, but either way, um, I guess we'll get into our thoughts on the film and we should probably start with you, Eric, because uh, you were the one that brought it to our attention and suggested it as an episode. Uh, well, I think I brought it the same time as somebody else. But anyway, um, I don't want to take full credit. <laughs> who, who, who are you referring to? Because I don't. I, I can't remember if it was Mike or Barrett. It, but, was, it but, was me. I, yeah, I Barrett, Barrett it mentioned it before I could. Gotcha. Um, so I, I, it wasn't just me. Um so, yeah, I, I heard about this movie a while ago. Uh, as I've said before, I like to text with Mr. Watson, uh, and we compare notes on what we've watched and what we're planning to watch and what we think about it. And I gave him a bunch of t- titles on my watch list, and he noted this as one that was worth checking out. Um, and so I looked it up, and I saw that it had Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton in it and nudity, and I was like, oh, God, I can't let Phil find out about this. <laughs> 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 but it came down to the end of the year and it was the last film I had seen. So I was like, all right, all right. Um, so yeah, um, we decided to check it out and I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I actually enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Um, it is an indie film. Uh, you can tell it's an indie film. However, um, you know, I'm sure they gave Heather Graham a paycheck for this movie, but I'm fairly confident that even if they hadn't, she wouldn't have, she would have done it anyway because uh, she was clearly having so much fun. Um, I thought the it was pretty good. Um, I had a couple little niggles with the uh, with the story and 
I guess my, my biggest complaint about the movie would be that I didn't really think there was a whole lot of chemistry between the uh, husband and wife characters in the movie. Um, but Heather Graham was having a blast. I enjoyed her. Barbara Crampton was good. Uh, Judah Lewis was pretty good as well. Uh, I would consider him, while Barbara Crampton is the second big name in the credits, I would consider Judah Lewis to be the second lead of this movie next to Heather Graham. Um, but yeah, overall, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. Uh, it sounds good. Um, yeah, for me, I guess I heard about it from Barrett and forgot, and then Eric brought it up as an episode, so we did it. Um, it was actually one of four, three or four films, I think, that you brought up at one point, um, and uh, this one uh, decided to do. Um, so I went in completely blind uh, and had no idea uh, about anything really about it. Um, and uh, But I am a huge Heather Graham fan, uh, especially back in the my 20s and 30s, you know, when she, when I first saw her in Rounders, uh, I thought she was unbelievable. And then from there, she just became huge where she did Boogie Nights and she did uh, Bowfinger and she did From Hell, Killing Me Softly, uh, Lost in Space, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. All those films were, were big films back in the day. And uh, and she was a, a A-lister lead actress and all that. And uh uh, yeah, she's she's a really great actress. And, and then uh, she turned thirty. <laughs> um, and then, um, uh, then uh, um, you know, and, and the rest of the cast, and and then of course uh, uh, the screenwriter, uh, Barbara Crampton, the screenwriter Paoli, and then Lynch. Uh, I wasn't much of a fan of, but because uh, of that Chillerama sequence that he did, it was just terrible. Um, but I haven't really seen much of his films except. Uh, uh, Mayhem, and uh, I have Evelyn on on disc, but I haven't watched that yet. But uh, either way, um, then that I bought because of uh, Selma Hayek. But either way, um, I, w- I went and watched this film early this morning, and at lunch during work, uh, not work during work, but during my my hour off uh, from lunch. So I watched the first hour before work, and then like a half hour to 40 minutes during the lunch hour. Um, and um, my thoughts on the film is, um, yeah, it's really good. I, I enjoyed it a whole lot. Uh, I thought this was a great way to end a horrible year of 2023 films, um, That at least with, with a, a good film. And um, I will probably have this as a top 10 uh, horror film of the year. Um, and and uh, I, I can see some of the, the minor complaints that the, some of the reviewers and some of the people have. Like the reviewers said they could have gone full Gonzo, like Reanimator or, or From Beyond, like, like a lot of PLO stuff. Um, and they, they were close, but uh, they, they seemed to tone it down a little bit. So I guess it could get to younger audiences um, and whatnot. But even though there is adult situations and such. Um, but all in all um, – I would highly recommend this film. Uh, it's it's a fairly decent adaptation of uh, the Lovecraft story because uh, even though Pioli wrote the screenplay, uh, they based it off of um, H.P. Lovecraft's tale, uh, The Thing on the Doorstep, which is a really good story. Uh, I recommend everybody checks that story out. And um, this, this actually has a lot of 
things that are in the story, even if it's uh, upgraded to the present day and they changed uh, the leads uh, to female. And, the, and uh, basically, the, in, the, in the book, there's a male, a, bo- a guy who marries a woman, and in this movie, uh, or, or it, they flip it where there's a woman who has an affair with a man. And but how the story goes, it really doesn't matter. Because there's a lot of things that happen, and I don't want to spoil it, that make the the lead gender not important because of uh, some supernatural stuff we'll talk about. Uh, so uh, all in all, I highly recommend a uh, really good film, and definitely um, uh, good to see Dennis Paoli uh, back uh, from from his heyday when, when he did a lot of band and, and Gordon films, Stuart Gordon films. All right, let's go with you. Uh, I guess. Uh, Barry. Um, yeah, I really like this film. Um, it was pretty enjoyable for me. I kind of wish it had a little bit more Cthulhu feel to it than it did. Um, but it was still really well told. I felt like all of the actors were having a really good time in this movie. Um, especially Heather Graham, like Eric said, she was just romping around, chewing the scenery through most of it. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I actually, I don't know why they said much about nudity in this. It really didn't seem like there was that much. So um, I think that was overblown. Made um, if there's any. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, but it just—I uh, don't know—that just didn't fit to me when I, after I got done with it. Um, <clears throat> I thought it was well written. I really liked that, some of the aspects of the movie and the way they did it. I thought it was just all really, really well done. Um, I do wish it had been a little more bloody as well. Um, maybe just, I don't know, more more death scenes would have been fun. And just a little more crazy would have been more fun. But, you know, got to take what you get, not what you want. So it's a really good movie. I think people should see it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, the, the blood and boobs, uh, they, they started off really big as if it was going to go that way and some of the scenes were, were over the top at the beginning and but then yeah you're right that's a, and that's what a lot of the reviews said too and not just uh gonzo horror reviewers well, but, I, but the real real reviews too i felt that was tamped down and the psychological aspect wasn't high enough to make up for that so i think if one of those would have been greater it would have been even better uh, of a film sure sure um, all right, sounds good. And uh, let's go with you, Mike. You know, I um, this had originally started as a Stuart Gordon film, and I think Gordon is one of the most underpraised horror directors because they never had like, the big breakout that, say, Carpenter or Romero or Craven did. Um, I first saw Reanimator and From Beyond on Cinemax when I was in high school. And so when I was watching this, I was, I said, well, this feels very appropriate because this really feels like it should be airing on a, on a, on a Skinamax movie. Um, at least at first. And I enjoyed it. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as those films. Um, I don't know that I enjoyed it as much as the three of you did. I liked it. I, I, I fondly remember the Lovecraft story. I just don't know that there's a lot of there to the story, 
to support this feels the old stories always felt more to me like it'd be better for a short than for a full length motion uh, picture and um i don't know i and it started off to me a little rough i thought some of the performances weren't working for me um i really was having trouble and i i couldn't i, I wish i could put my finger on it i was having trouble buying heather graham as the uh, psychiatrist or psychologist, and I don't know what it is. It felt to me like if you're watching a porn film and you obviously have a porn actress trying to play the doctor or try to play the plumber or whatever it is, um, rather than feeling like, say, you know, Robert Shaw felt like some guy who had actually been fishing for sharks. Um, but I think the movie gets better as it goes along. Um and I think the performances get better as it goes along. Uh, nobody's mentioned Bruce Davidson. I didn't. I don't think anybody mentioned him. Is in a small role as in the film as the father. Yeah, I just mentioned him as, as part of the cast. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was really good. Um, and I think everybody here is clearly having fun with it. I don't know how much more they could have gotten out of it because it's a really basic premise. And then once you realize the basic premise. It's it's the same dynamic, and I guess we're not spoiling it, so I don't want to spoil what the basic premise of what's going on. But once you know what's going on, it's becomes kind of sort of predictable, and not necessarily in a bad way. Lots of horror films are really predictable, um, but I think you can savor some of the performances in it, and the ending, same as the story. Um, Kind of leaves me a bit creeped out at just the thought of it. Um, what happens? The fate of one of the characters, or two of the characters, I guess. Um, so yeah, I, I like it. I just didn't love it. If it's going to end up on my list, it will probably be more in the fifteen to twenty range, I'm guessing, than in the top ten. Hmm. But we'll see. I'm still organizing my list. All right, sounds good. So uh, that's our review of the film, our, our quick uh, summation of what our thoughts. Uh, so with that, uh, we'll get into the rest of the podcast. But before we do, uh, Eric, uh, do we have a wiki? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Who's Eric? I was Eric's I wiki. muted myself <laughs> while Mike was talking. Um hey. Eric's wiki was broken. <laughs> see a doctor about that. Uh, a psychiatrist becomes obsessed with one of her young patients, who she later discovers is linked to an ancient curse. That's it. All right. That's all right. That's fair enough. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Right. It's, it makes yeah. kind of sense. I mean, it's all right. Kind of, sort of. Not really. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's really way. generic. It doesn't give it away, but it's also not entirely. I wouldn't call it accurate. Sure. Well, I think the movie was unclear enough as to actually what the hell was going on that it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, even the short story, you, you don't really know why things are going on, but you learn pretty or begin to figure it out, as as Eric said, you do in the movie. Uh, but this is just a wiki, so it doesn't even matter. You know, that's just a little quick summation of the film, and, and we know some of the wikis are, are absolutely horrible, and some are good, and some are tell too much and some say nothing and, <laughs> and, some, and some are somewhat wrong 
or obscure like this one. Like. Uh, but anyway, uh, what we do here on Dark Discussions, so what we do here on Dark Discussions for those who are new or even for those who are regulars, is basically we talk about everything and anything related to the film. So at a certain point uh, in our discussion uh, coming up, we'll throw up a spoiler, and after that we will talk about all sorts of things, including the, the um, things that we were trying not to talk about when we gave our views, as Mike mentioned, I did it as well. And then we could talk about uh, the ending and uh, the twists and what's going on with the supernatural stuff and what happens and all that. So we'll spoil everything at a, at a point because we don't just review things here on the Dark Discussions podcast. We critique and dissect and try to uh, decipher what the writer, director, screenwriters and, and um uh, producers and whatnot tr- are trying to say uh, in their film besides the entertainment purposes. Um, but before we do that, what we do is we talk about generic things. So we could talk about uh, Paoli's other uh, film credits as a screenwriter. We could talk about H.P. Lovecraft adaptions. We could talk about uh, Heather Graham. We could talk about anything that's you know generic stuff about the film without actually – uh, spoiling it, and then we will then throw up the spoiler afterwards, uh, and and so you can uh, go and watch the film if you prefer to do so before hearing that part of the podcast. All right, so that's pretty much our uh, uh, what we do here. So I guess we can get into the non-spoiler section of the podcast. So uh, where so, do we want to begin? Yeah, well, <laughs> one thing I had was I really have a hard time taking Jonathan Scape seriously ever since I saw him. The first time I ever saw him was in a movie called The Doom Generation. I don't know if anyone else has ever seen oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that movie is really messed up, and he is really messed up in that movie. So every time I see him, I think of his role in that, and it just ruins anything for me with him. I don't know why, but it might be why I didn't feel there was any chemistry between him and Heather Graham as well. Right, right. So. Yeah, I read a couple of critics that that uh, wrote that too. That the chemistry with the, the husband was was a little um, off. It was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. Well, I don't think it helps. I don't think it's wrong. Uh, but like the first time that they are being intimate, she is clearly not really into it. Yeah. So the lack of chemistry may be very intentional. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Right, because you know, even though they they, they would seem on the outside to have a, a good relationship and a good marriage, I don't get the sense that they're supposed to have some uh, Gomez Morticia thing going on either. Um, right. whether whether they're they're just smoldering with passion for each other. Well, no, but at the same time, I like watching the two of them. I was like, why did these two even get married? Right. But that does happen in real life. It's just yeah, I guess. And in a movie, it's weird. And then fought a love or whatever or something. Or they're just in a comfortable state in the relationship. Um, Yeah. And he's you know they're in an awkward place because she's employed and he's out of work. Um, He's a loser. Yeah. Well, that certainly as a man of that age, uh, he he might very well be feeling that way. Um, What what what? Was his work supposed to be? I, I, I didn't never figure I think that out. Similar to hers from the way they were talking, but they never actually yeah, said what of. he does. Yeah, all right. So anyway, continue, Mike. Sorry, I don't know that it matters. Yeah, the story. 
Right, um, right. I will say, by the way, I think Heather Graham looks looks really good, given the fact that she is uh, officially old yes. enough to be a, a Dark Discussions podcast host. She a- she actually turns uh, 50, she turns fifty four in two weeks from now. Well, yeah, and Barbara she, Crampton just had her sixty fifth birthday, and she, she looked really, really good. good. She also looked really good. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was the one that because I I was thinking Heather Graham probably would have been younger because I remember like when Almost Famous came out and she was like a college age student was playing that and I was 30 but she's only a few months older than me and a few weeks older than Phil um so she's been our age the whole time <laughs> yes yes like rounders she, she was she was basically our age in, in rounders when the I calls are coming from inside the house exactly it's again but so yeah so she uh, she said I'm not to not to simplify but yeah she looks so much better than the people on this podcast um oh, yeah, I think that's a fair statement uh, pretty good looking. I'm pretty good. No, they do have they do have control. money to you They're know just, oh, it, that helps. Phil, 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 if not that it would ever happen, but if I have an opportunity to do her or do you, I'm 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 not I'm not I'm just sorry. There's not even a closeness to that. Yeah, that's I don't even need to too. sit down and draw up the positives and negatives there. I'm just you know I'm gone. <laughs> yeah, just going no, no, off first glance. Now well, well, before you continue, Mike. Uh, uh, it's coming from the inside the house, Eric. Did she do a remake of that film? I don't think so. Did, oh, did, where did that Where did that reference come from? It's something I've been using recently. Gotcha. I used it on a Zoom call at work and got big laughs. Oh, gotcha. Anyway, continue, Mike. Continue. I was just a little confused. So, so no, I was just. <laughs> I, well, we were just going over how much more attractive she is than you uh, and me and 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 everybody. Not all of us. Uh, well, <laughs> she she was always a. Like a ten, I mean. Oh yeah, I mean she, she is. I mean, um, a beautiful woman. But for me, like I said, I just was having trouble with her at the beginning of the film and buying her in in the role. And I don't know why I couldn't pick a fair. I also thought like the office that she's in. And I when I like I still would see shots of the office. I was like, well, that's nice furniture. It's a nice office, but something about it just shouted at me that this is a set as opposed to being an actual office somewhere. And maybe that's the lighting, something, uh, maybe there's something uh, subliminal the outside, on there. The outside. Maybe you're just a weirdo who's seen way too many movies. Well, they, yeah, they, that could they, very well they, be. they didn't show the, the really the, you know, the, the office door and, and, you know, whatever therapy or, or, and the or view outside a, felt a unreal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, you're right. There, there wasn't like, it was like people would, would be out in the hall and then they suddenly be in, in her office and then there's no like in between area. So it kind of, that, that's, that's makes a little sense. And, and, and I'm not saying, Oh, he hated the movie because he looked like he was on a set. No, I'm, I've seen plenty of low budget movies and things that look like they're on sets and especially pretty much anything made before, before 1960. Um, and I'm not, I'm just, I just noticed it and I, and I was not holding it against the film. Uh, just this observation that some of the, the the authenticity didn't quite work for me. Um, but as this film goes on, and her character uh, changes, <laughs> and I, I think Eric's a chance having clearly having a blast in the role. Um, I, I was like, I, I I had a better understanding of uh, why she was right for the part. Um. And how you know you're you're making a movie like this, and you can get a Heather Graham, uh, and a, and you know Bruce Davison's done horror before. Robert Crampton obviously lives in it. Um, yeah. So, but to get a Heather Graham in it, yeah. 
go you got to go for it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's an interesting character that she does play. Um, like you said, she's a therapist, um, and you know, I mean, a lot of people said. Uh, we'll, we'll say that. She's about, a horrible psychiatrist, by the way. <laughs> about, yes. about, yeah. About, yeah. Well, I don't know if she's a psychiatrist, but she's definitely she's either a therapist. Or she's a therapist, a therapist for, at yeah. a minimum. Yeah, I thought she mentioned she was a psychiatrist at one point, but I could be wrong. It would make oh. sense considering Barbara Crampton's character appears to be at that level as well. Oh yeah, yeah, she's got to be a, a yeah. You're probably right, uh, but but either way, um, she's somewhat well, well well known. She's written a couple books um and kind of a local celebrity um and she um you know like a lot of actresses that are really good looking um some people will will, will feel that way mike i remember when uh, denise richards played the nuclear scientist oh became, god yeah you know, people, <laughs> that was people. worse that was way worse than this i yeah, at least was, was able to somewhat buy that heather graham was a psychiatrist but yeah denise richards nuclear physicist no well, we ran into that problem with, with some other people on this podcast with the the thankful. Um, oh yeah, that, that was ridiculous. And that, and that actress is supposed to be uh, uh, Elizabeth Winstead, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, or whatever her name is. Yeah, yeah, she's like yeah. like thirty one, and she's supposed to be like this superstar. And it's like, what, what, and I kept on saying in that episode, why didn't they just hire someone like Nicole Kidman or, or Charlize Theron for the role? You know, and it, because it, it would have cost a lot more money. A lot more. <laughs> By far, and, and, that, and that and that I had no problem with because I I understand how sciences work sometimes and if you have a specific field, all you have to be to be the expert in it is to be the only person who does it. And exactly, yeah, that's exactly what I thought about it. <laughs> right, right. It does it, it being an expert doesn't always um, mean much, but I, I did Just because you're an expert doesn't mean you're a good one. Yeah, and I, I use the example of the guy who is the expert in uh, uh, fossil forms of uh, crocodilians, and that he's the reason he's uh, an expert on fossil crocodilians is because he's literally the only person who studies it. <laughs> I understand. Um, uh, but I yeah, did wonder just how much can one possibly write about out-of-body out of experiences, because that was a thick-ass book that she wrote. That thing looked like, I mean, it looks like it, it it's bigger than the Bible, you know? It was just, illustrated. <laughs> it was like a children's book. <laughs> Every other page had a nice full-page picture of her floating out of her body. Um, so, yeah, no, those are fair points, Mike, some of those things. Um, but, uh, all in all, um, uh, you know, some of those things are they're little flaws, you know. Can can you can you know, little, they're little nitpicky yeah. things that you see yeah. with with a yeah. with a low budget film. It it just it is the go it is what it is. Um it's it, it's small but it's why I kinda like felt a little bit more at arm's length at the beginning of the film. Uh, I was having kind of trouble getting into it because it wasn't feeling real to me. It wasn't feeling authentic. Um Right. And, and, and no it's also not the, oh, I was, so it's also not like the easiest setup. Because uh, you just have her talking to a character with no name. I think she calls him Professor. Yeah, but he's a patient, and he's talking about his problem, and he's dancing around it, and and it turns out I think that he was just a smoker, like <laughs> right. You know, he's like, my wife has no heart. How hard it is to resist the temptation, you know? And you're like, what the 
fuck is he talking about? And then I'm just like, oh, he smokes. I think that they were trying to make you think he was talking about sex addiction. Yeah, oh, and and it was, yeah, but it wasn't worth the payoff to me. Um, sure. As, and as a joke, it didn't quite land. Um, and okay. I also it felt to me like the all the having sat through a lot of low budget films, um, low low budget films, it felt like the parade of patients that she saw all felt like you know calling like. Hey, Joey, do you want to come in? I need somebody to play, play a patient for me. Thank you. Bye. You know, it just felt like it was just bringing in the director's friends or somebody's friends to be those parts. Um, but that, that was well, just... Well, and, and that's fine for this movie. It doesn't need depth of those and, characters. Right, and because and, and none of those characters mean anything. Right. Right. Now, Mike, let me ask you this, because uh, um, when I put it in, or not put it in, but... but VOD and started watching it, and you see Barbara Crampton right away. And no disrespect for her, because we've seen her in some really great films uh, where she's the lead, uh, like uh, or, or pretty good films, if not great, uh, like Jacob's Wife and uh, 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 Sun Choke and and uh, Your Next. We are still here. You, we, we are we are still here. Yeah, exactly. And she's she's good in all those films, whether those films are good or not. And and she's a pretty pretty much the lead in all those films too. So we know she's good, but we also have seen her take paychecks as well, like Death House and various other films. And so when I saw her, I was like, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be a really low budget film because the type of films that she has begun to do in her late fifties and, and mid sixties have been. Uh, low-budget horror film. So, was that part of the beginning that made you get worried? No, and her I actually had less problem with. Um, yeah. and, and, and look, I'm going to give credit to her for continuing work because I, I was joking a bit about Heather Graham when you listed off all the big things she was in and I said, and then she turned 30. It's We, we know Hollywood is ruthless towards actresses after they get past a certain age. Um, and... Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. It's it's. I'm not endorsing it. It is, however, what it is. So the fact that Heather Graham is in this may just as well have been the the fact that people might not be returning her phone calls anymore. Um, and all credit to them for casting her in this part because, and yeah, like I said, she looks good. But this is a role that you you want a sex pot in, and I could very easily see if this was done at you know. Well, I wouldn't think I would not see it done at Disney, but if this was done at Universal or Sony or Paramount, they would have tried to cast like a 32 year old actress as opposed to an actress who's in her 50s, because it is a a role that requires uh, um, a lot of sexuality. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I guess it being a low budget, and they were able to get someone like Heather Graham, who's an Academy Award nominated actress. Um, and and I guess I'll, I'll say the term a cougar versus like you said if this was a, a major <laughs> uh, studio they would have brought in the the thirty year old to play the role and and they would have brought that, in like Anna Taylor Joy or somebody to right to and, and and that would that would have kind of sucked well so I I think actually being low budget and getting the the fifty three or fifty two year old at the time when the film was probably made woman to play the role was, was brilliant brilliant and, and and I think I think it fits compared to speaking of uh, speaking of it being low budget I uh, was giggling a little bit of the fact that Heather Graham only had one outfit the whole movie I know. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that. 
No, she does. And I don't don't ask me why I noticed this because I I just did. This is not the kind of thing anyway. But she she we, we know for a reason after an interaction with a patient mm-hmm. uh, that she's wearing uh, that she's wearing uh, wearing pants, slacks, whatever. Uh, and then there is a scene later in the film where she's wearing a leather skirt. So she does change the outfit somewhere in there. Oh, yeah, I, missed the, I missed the pants. Yeah. I, I did, just thought yeah, she was wearing right. the skirt. You're right. She did have them. the pants. Yeah, yeah. Right. But right. it's and pretty, you know, it's like two bottoms. <laughs> I think the shirt feels the well, same. Well, didn't she have like a nightgown too at a point? I thought so. Oh, she, she was just in a robe. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. But um, either way, um, she was wearing that skirt for like well over half the movie, though, and it was several days in the in the story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right, right. Yeah, I I didn't notice that. I mean, I noticed that she wore skirts and and high heels pretty much the whole film, but I didn't notice was it was the same skirt or the same high heels by any chance. Notion, but I wonder if it's the same or that they were just deliberately giving her like a mono because it's let's say she's in. Like gray tones the entire film, so I was wondering if they were just going for a, a monotone look to, to give her the idea of a, this sort of colorless, yeah. unexciting life. I mean, and let's be honest, you know, the husband's out of work and she's a, a therapist at a, at a university. At the, you know, wrote a, wrote a they, book. They might be, they, yeah. they might be hurt. We wrote a book about out of body experiences. That that can't be raking in the bucks. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah. Um, well, well, plus you know, I mean, it's. Uh, it's kind of a, t- a tough thing um, when someone is unemployed, and, and yeah, who knows how the their uh, how well he was looking for work, or was he just lazy, or or was there stress because of it? Yeah, I mean, sure, all those the stress was probably there. Just I mean, you know, being unemployed sucks big time. But um, knock on wood, name father, son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Um, so yeah, I I mean, I I felt. When we got to the fir- the scene where she decides to sh- maybe stray a little bit, was uh, the be- was I wasn't sure where they were going to go on with that because it kind of uh, started reminding me that it was going to be like a '90s thriller for sure, um, where there's a kind of uh, something happens that like unfaithful or, or one of those type of films. Um, and so, so yeah, yeah. It, it, and it makes you question, is she a bad person or not? Because she does that, you know, I don't know. I mean, especially with a patient, you know? Yeah. I, well, when we throw out the spoiler flag, I've got some things to say about that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do that for sure. Um, all right. Uh, what else did we want to talk about that's general stuff related to? Well, I'll also talk about, I want to talk about the gender swap, uh, which, uh, we yep. see quite, quite a that, lot. At, okay, I guess we're not modern, spoiler flag. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the characters from the the book, from the book to the the, the movie. Yeah, he's right, not so talking about oh, so, okay. so the characters, right? So in, again, in the book, you have two male friends. Yep. You have a female patient. You know, it, it's, no, it's, you don't have a female patient. You have a uh, one of them uh, meets a girl at college. Meets right. Her. So there, there are the, the, all the, almost all the major characters in this are, are gender swap from the from the from the novel, and yeah. I, I'm thinking of this. I think it would have been far less interesting in a lot of ways if they hadn't, if they if they had just kept you know with uh, two male leads and 
instead and a female student instead of a male student. Um, I don't know about that, but anyway. I think think because it would have been, I think, relatively cliche. And I'm not saying women are not uh, able to have an affair with a younger man, but we're you. Well, that that's excuse me. We're used to seeing. Seeing actors who are like seventy-five years old dating in a movie a thirty-year-old, and, and and that's that isn't. Well, no, that didn't that, that didn't happen in the book. So so this is completely made up for for the for the yeah, movie. But I'm saying I'm just saying if they had not if they had kept the genders as they are. Oh, and the kept and, and then used the the screenplay from Paoli rather. Than, yeah, all right, I see what you're saying. Right, I think I think it wouldn't been, have been quite as interesting. Yeah, that's that's um, fair. That's fair. Yeah. So. Right, right. Because even though this is based on Lovecraft's story, you could argue that it's loosely based off of Lovecraft's story. So, uh, the, so the, yeah, the heart of the story is the same. Um, yeah, the, 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 the mechanics same. of it, the horror of it, is all is all right there. I don't think any of that changes because right. they they gender swap the 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 characters. Um, right. It, it, and, they, and I think in some way it just made it more interesting because how many? Let's be honest. How many movies do we really see? One starring a fifty-four-year-old actress, and then number two, a fifty-four-year-old actress who ends up having an affair with a twenty-something-year-old uh, man. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a fair point. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I would I would go with you there. I, I thought you were trying to say if they. I wasn't thinking of it that way. I was thinking of of if they had taken the actual story and and it converted it to movie rather than being based loosely but being based loosely um with with these changes that you just mentioned about her being the, the therapist slash doctor and and whatnot and if that was a male with and preyed on a much younger patient that was female that that would be cliche and not as interesting because we've seen that hundreds of times and films i'm sure i can't name any often and it's like the big thing in real life right now so we don't need to say yeah, and that, that's true that it probably <laughs> would have been me too to death uh for, for right. better or worse right it would have been yeah. uh how how dare how dare they endorse the sexual predation of and this right. is the flip well, side that, double standard is that it's it's way less yeah, creepy that, for her to be macking on him than the other way around and and, and to be honest if, if that went public that destroys the career of, of that doctor or therapist because it breaks the um, client and, and uh, or I should say um, doctor slash patient you know thing you, you, you don't you don't do that you don't do that I mean if, if you you like the person then maybe you, you you ask them on a date and you go on dates later but you don't yeah you don't do that um, the way they it was presented in this film because that would destroy careers. Well, and even her friends like, don't go to the police. <laughs> you know, about anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I have more to say to that in spoilers. Yeah, so we'll talk about that in a moment too. Uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up that's uh, non-spoiler um, related to the film that isn't going to necessarily spoil it, but still could be pertinent to the pre-spoiler part. All right, so I guess uh, at this point we're going to throw up the spoiler alert. So you've been warned. So uh, at this point we're going to talk about everything and anything related to the film. So with that stated, the spoiler alert's up. So who wants to begin? Me. Um, no, I just wanted to make the point that as it was depicted in the movie, uh, when she hooks up with the younger dude, it 
almost appears as if she's being influenced um, yes. and does not have a choice. Well, you I know, agree. you know, I, I was thinking that too, but I was thinking also it could be she was being influenced because uh, she's a 53 year old woman or 52 year old woman in a, a relationship that she's not really too happy about and pheromones hit her. So she was influenced by pheromones, not because that's of not how I took it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But what you said, there was some like visual effects going on that made it indicate that it was like some otherworldly influence. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. I can go with that. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's really the big, big plot of the film I, I will say i having uh forgotten the, the story for a bit uh before i refresh myself um i was and i also forgot that this was based on the lovecraft story when i was watching the film it was only after i did research and stuff so yeah that's the, that's that story um i was thinking that the father played by uh bruce davidson and the sons, played by Judah Lewis, were actually the same person where Judah was turning into the old man because you, for, for the good chunk of the film, you don't ever see them together. And so I'm thinking, oh, oh, so when she goes to visit him the next day and she sees the old man there, and since their personalities are kind of alike, and, and again, the spoiler alert is because there, there's being like body swapping because there's a demon, and then there's the father, and then there's the son, and then there's Heather Graham's character, and then there's Barbara Crampton's character. And so there's body swapping going on. So they do all seem alike at, at times, the father and son. So I thought that was the, the father was actually the son who aged, and then he uses some sort of black magic, and he turned back mm. to the kid later in the film. And then, of course, the second time she goes over there, and this is, I think, the third or I mean, the fourth or fifth time that we see the the father or son character. They all appear in the same room, and then it's like, oh, okay, all right. So, so it wasn't that after all. It's actually body possession swapping or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the thing on the doorstep, and I remember that was the the gimmick involved. Uh, so I so I kind of knew what was going on because it had been. Uh, mentioned, uh, and it was before it was brought up on the podcast, I knew about the film that it was an adaptation of the thing on the doorstep. Um, yeah. I had no idea it was an adaptation. I have never read the story. Yeah, so what's, what's, well, what's interesting is we all know that all when, and we've joked about this on the podcast before, whenever someone says it's Lovecraftian, it, it means it has tentacles. Um, because <laughs> for a lot of people, the, the only thing they know about uh, Lovecraft is is the Cthulhu mythos, yeah. and in this particular case, it's it's this happens to be a story actually with a lot of his stories that have nothing to do with Cthulhu or fish people. Um, and right, right, right. This is more like uh, the uh, story of Charles Dexter Ward or Dexter something Ward, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and it, you know, so it's just funny that you know that's kind of again what people just walk in to expect. Um, like reanimator, right? No tentacles. Um, from beyond tentacles. Uh, so, but, but I was still say it's like the idea of the alien influence is still there. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. Where I think it's, it's, it drives it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some sort of demon 
or alien foods, depending on your or force or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's a, a being from the outer world, whether it's if you're religious or not, is there. And since this is Lovecraftian, we know it's not necessarily. Yeah, I I've got issues with Lovecraft in that regard. <laughs> He's a little, he's a little wishy washy on his own mythology. Like, well, what the fuck is going on here? Just explain it to me. <laughs> well, it, it, to be honest, he didn't make the mythology. He made the stories, and then his friends put it together and said it was a mythology. Okay, so, fair, fair enough. Yeah. So, but he, his stories are rife with phrases like, uh, "If you gazed upon it, you would lose your mind." It's just like, just tell me what it fucking looks like. <laughs> oh, I kind of, yeah. I kind of like that part that you well, don't ever I, really know. I, I think the point of that was is when you find out you're not the center of the universe, or, or humans aren't all that's there, and there's actually other things that it makes you go insane. So, like I always say, when many times on this podcast, if if suddenly there was a ghost in my house or something, I, I would probably go insane because it's like my whole world is shattered for what I think it is, you know. So, until quantum physics proves me that oh, this is legitimate, and I say, all right, at least it's scientific based. If it ain't scientific based, I freak out. I would freak <laughs> out and go insane. So, I think that's what Lovecraft was trying to say more. Yes, than, I would agree. Okay, thank you. I Good. think that's why the, the Greys freak you out, because the Greys are like yeah. the most that, that permissible by science. Yeah. You, you yeah. can buy the Greys in a way that you're not going to buy a ghost or a possession. Right. Uh, uh, you know, or, uh, or, 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 or a number of other things. But Yeah, a, a Greys, serial killers, and bears. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, those bears things, aren't, those, bears those, aren't those, real, Phil. We keep telling you. These are birds. But uh, but um, yeah. So so Lovecraft and stuff here. They, they, I guess um, honestly, even 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 though this is part of the quote unquote Lovecraftian stories, because it's by Lovecraft, it's it's more like like Mike you said, it's not the tentacle stuff because it's really like it really is more apt to feel more like a possession story like the exorcist or, or christianity well, idea and, and honestly for part of the movie i was i was like oh my gosh because uh if it weren't a cthulhu entity um it's actually if it were just like a psychic ability it, it's very close to a premise i had for a story i wanted to write so i was like oh my gosh um and then, and then when it's revealed i pretty much had the same feelings as the character uh when uh, he's tied up, he's handcuffed himself in the basement uh, and then swaps bodies, so she's handcuffed in the basement, and she looks up at the thing on the wall and goes, octopus demon, great. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was pretty much my reaction, too. Well, that would have been was awesome. really the only nod to it, wasn't it, really? I mean, uh-huh. yeah. 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 Well, see, my thing is, um, and I am by far from an expert on um, Lovecraft mythology. I actually just got for Christmas uh, the two tomes of the uh, of the annotated works of Lovecraft. Oh, I'd yeah, like nice. to read. Um, but oh, if you read anything, uh, right? we, uh, we should do episodes on the stories because we. I've read I've read a lot of them in the past. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but there was a. One of the characters, in, and I've been blanking on the name, 
um, was that there was at least one, if not more, mad wizard in the Lovecraft mythology that used the Necronomicon. For, and, and I took it as like this was someone with a spell book casting spells. And so while the demons were there, I was I, personally, I was taking it as as a human tapping into dark magics rather than being a, 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 an evil entity itself. Okay. Um, but, but that, um, and I'm not saying that's right. I'm saying that's my, my take on it. And I just think this is something that has, has something, someone has probably been around for centuries because I think it's pretty clear like that the Bruce Davidson character wasn't the first one right. to do this. And this has been, been swapping, using a body, letting it die and, and hopping out, you know, uh, when, when it could. Um, well, and, and one of my few little like story niggles <laughs> on this movie is that, uh, you know, it, it's asked, how long have you been doing that? And that question is never really answered. However, you're right. It is implied that it's been happening for a long, long time. And, but it also, from the way uh, it's acted, seems like this is his first inhabitation of a female body, which seems unlikely if it's been going on as long as it's implied. Yeah, that, that is true. That is true. Yeah, unlikely but well, possible. Yeah, and, and Bruce, Bruce Davidson, who yeah. would have been born in the '60s, maybe the '50s. Uh, um, yeah, something like that. Probably, probably the '50s. Uh, I'll verify that. Uh, 1946. 1940. Okay, so they're even older. Um, in and uh, someone I did get a chance to interview like a decade ago. Um, oh, he was that old. Yeah. So uh, I, I would think, like, if you have a chance, if you've, you've been body hopping along, your life's going to be a whole lot easier as a man if you're if you're you've been doing this since like 1600. Let's just throw that out as a date. Um, <laughs> Your, your access to wealth, power, you know, to uh, just yeah, freedom to move that's around. That's a fair point. So I could very but easily see why if, he might never have, have yeah. even considered taking a female body. But it also seems like this can be done at will whenever he, it chooses. And, you know, if he's been doing it since the 1600s, like, if it were me, I'd be curious enough I'd give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> well, and remember right. that he only gets to do it three times and they get and then it's permanent and then he has to find someone else and i think and this is where i'm a little shaky and my wife uh watched yeah that was that that was added for the the movie that wasn't part of the story but anyway was was whether or not he had to say the words with the person present or not or did they have to hear the words because it was here because but there was a point in the film where it happens where they can't hear um or I don't think they can hear the. Uh, Which part is that? I don't remember. It was, I think, went more towards the end. And you could argue, like maybe they only have to hear it the first time, and it, and it's less necessary as the bond gets stronger. There's there's all. Um, but and I would have to rewatch it to see if. And I'm not going to even uh, say my wife is right, but I also can't fact check her on it. So. Uh, it's something I would have to watch again to look for that. Um, but yeah, there's you know, it, so it, it doesn't seem like he can do it quite at will. Uh, this isn't like um, uh, the, the movie uh, was it Fallen, uh, where, where the the thing seems to be able to pass pretty freely. 
from one creature to the next, or one person to the next. Um, what what, what movie is that? Fallen. Fallen. One we're gonna watch. Which which was a Patreon pick. Oh oh okay. I, for some reason, I thought that was the I similar premise. Was, no no no, but I thought that was the Michael Douglas movie. No, that's the falling down. Oh, thank God! Thank God you mentioned that. That's the wrong film. Like, yeah, Robert Paul's not in that film. Very different film. Okay. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's why I was confused when you mentioned Robert Duvall earlier. Yeah. Oh, I remember John yeah. Goodman. I didn't remember. Robert yeah, I remember Duvall. John Goodman too. That's why I was confused too. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, so I was thinking of the wrong film. Uh, Bummer. I, I didn't Paul's remember Robert down. Duvall not being in it. I, I haven't seen the film in uh, probably 15 years. So, um. Yeah, but anyhow, but yeah, it's, it doesn't seem to be quite as as able to to swip, uh, switch bodies, you know, as fast as we've seen in uh, other similar movies. I don't think, but okay. there there seem to be rules set up. Whether they follow them the entire time, there there are kind of rules there. Um, well, even so, with those rules, I like if I had four hundred years to try it out, I would have. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you one thing that the. The book, the story, it's more disturbing because the guy that marries the woman, her father, Ephraim, possesses the woman. And so he's half the time he's with his father in law. <laughs> and and, and he, he figures it out and he's like, Oh my god. So it's a little more now, I, in, in Yeah, the- I just want all the married men out there to just stop and think about having sex with your father in law. Oh God! Yeah, and and the whole there you go. There it is. There you go. Well, well, and the thing is, is the father-in-law whether he's 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 like an entity that was was similar to this, where he takes over the father-in-law. The father-in-law then takes over the daughter, and then the daughter is now trying to take over the the husband, and and it's like it's just all freaky. So, so yeah, the 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 story is pretty pretty nuts. Um, But here they play around with it a little bit by him. Meaning the demon Ephron, um, getting to be part of a uh, the ent- or, or be the soul of, or the the possessor of a woman's body, um, and, and and I think that's why they they did it that way to make it more, I guess, quote unquote, fun in a sense, you know, because if if it's just another woman that he's possessed in the past, you know, they, they didn't wouldn't have little little jokes about it, you know, like they they did in this film. So I think that's why. But you're right. It is hard to believe that they, he, the demon has never possessed a, a female body prior to this in the, in the movie. Or been forced to take a female body because of situations. Right. That too. I never considered that. Yeah. And, and as we see in this movie, you know, he hasn't – and I, I'm saying he for the demon – hasn't taken over a female body until Heather Graham's. But in the film, he actually takes over two females within the first time ever in his in his, his life, right? So it's kind of funny. Um, well, I'm going to guess, and I I have no way of confirming this. Probably what he did, right? I don't think he's looking for anything other than than immortality. Is mm-hmm. might have just stuck within the same family, right? Fathered and fathered a, a child, and then possessed the child, yep. um, and and and. The goal, I don't think, was to uh, experience uh, sex in as many different bodies as possible. That that was right. probably just a bonus. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, just to right, live as right. long as possible. 
Yeah, yeah. And 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 to be honest, when it, okay, talking about this story, Barrett, it, it, it does remind me a lot of uh, the case of Charles Dexter Ward because it's kind of the same thing. Where yeah. Because the great great grandfather wants to take over the great, you know, the great great grandson. Right. It, you know, and on and on it goes. You know, and this is similar to that. So yeah. Um, well, and he's got, you know, you would have to be careful not to die of old age, too. So you have to do it at a somewhat particular time, I would Yeah, think. I wonder I wonder what would happen if, like, the body dies of a heart attack, for, example, for instance. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah right, right. Or, or gets run over. Really yep. well, this is a, well, this is part of the terror of this, is that, um, and I, I did look up a little bit about the story because I was trying to remember the mechanic of it. I guess because the body is disembodied, not the body, the mind is, is separate from the body. Right. That, um, it, or they're not completely connected, that when the body dies, the mind doesn't. You have that to is, destroy that. That is correct. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and that's what leads to the horror at the end of the film is so that when you see, right, it, it has to get out because if, it, if the body dies, it's trapped in that body until the brain is destroyed. And however many years it's going to take for the brain to decay um i would imagine you know that could be and then where is it going to go to it has it's it's going to just be dead um so you know there is there you look at what happens to the two characters who get stuck uh in a dead or dying body um you know it's a it, it would be a really horrific experience yes we kind of it, it definitely felt very creepy to me, uh, the whole premise. So that's one of the things that felt pretty strong to me. Yeah, yeah. No, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. Um, and um, like I said, the, the the story is even more horrific because it's, it's father to daughter or, or possessed father to daughter. Um so where do we want to go next uh, with this movie and and, and the discussion? So 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 she has she's she's with the patient, uh, the smoker guy that Mike was talking about earlier, the the professor. And as he walks out, this kid runs into the and says he talks about how he feels he's had outer or been possessed or, or something out of body experience. experiences. Yeah, yeah. Name's Asa. Yeah, Asa. And she thinks he's insane a little bit and what Actually about- she thinks after she sees him transform that he's got multiple personality disorder, which I yeah. thought we were supposed to be calling dissociative identity disorder now. But uh Well, she he she does later because she calls it when she sees the husband later that night and he says, Why are we talking about work? She mentions M P D, which I don't know what M stands for, but when you look it up, it's it's disassociation personality disorder. So M must be just another semantical name for it. So you know, a sociopath or, or psychopath, you know, basically the same thing in a sense. So she does call it dissociation personality disorder, but as the anagram of it. Um, and is that is that right? Anagram? No, what, what what's when you say the initials? That's not anagram, right? Acronym. Acronym, thank you. Um, so, um, either way, uh, politically correct or not, um, you're right. And then the husband, he's always, uh, you know, interested in her. She's a pretty good-looking woman. Um, and this is where you were talking about, Mike, where 
she's not really into the the uh, love making, and so it, maybe it was intentional that they the marriage felt kind of non chemistry like, and so while she's doing it with the guy, she imagines it's the twenty two year old uh, multiple personality kook that came into her office. And um, and then the sex is pretty good. Um, now, that's one thing when she's imagining doing it with someone else, even though that's kind of unfortunate for, for the husband. But <laughs> but at least at least she's not cheating on him yet or with a patient. Well, and, and my my biggest moment of kind of raising an eyebrow at the chemistry was when she finally fusses up to heaven had an affair. She's right. like, she tells him about it like, uh, yeah, I ran into Susan at the store today. <laughs> she's yeah, like, you want him to, you don't want him to notice this, what's going on. She's just like, like, yeah, I had sex with somebody else. I'm sorry about that. Uh, okay. I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> it I think, I think like you feel bad. Well, I don't know. I, I, I understand there's a strategy there that's sort of like that, uh, yeah, so how was your day? Oh, it wasn't bad. You know, work was stressful. I totaled the car. You know, I got one hey, of the well, Let's see if I can get this back. I'm kind of hoping that they don't notice. <laughs> no, like, maybe if no. I don't make a big deal out of it, they won't make a big deal no, out no, of it. No, no, I get, I get your joke, Mike. But, again, the pro- problem with, with, with the joke is that's not what happened in the film. What yeah. happened was is she went – she got an emergency call from the kid. And so she runs over there, and that's when she – uh, the kid, and this this scene was pretty graphic, Barrett. When you said the movie didn't have enough blood and guts, this this actually may be my kill of the year. When yeah, it was good. Yeah, he, he the kid kills his father and chops off his head, and it's like holy shit. And then then the, like the candle, I forget how the fire started, but a fire happened, and she flees. And um, what happens is, is the next day she comes home. And the husband's like, freak, and the cops are there because, you know, the what, they they figured out that she had been there because she, they talked to the the kid. They found and her that, phone too. They found her phone too, and so the husband's asked, basically she's dead to rights. That you know, there's something. I mean, she could have still lied and said, well, you know, I was trying to cover up for the poor kid and all this, but obviously she's not much of a liar. So she just came right out and said, yeah, I had a fear, and she didn't have to. But I think she was, at least in her mind, she was going to be caught. And that's why she told. Now, now the husband's reaction was a little, I thought that was the problem, not her her telling. <laughs> oh, he did okay. exactly what I expected him to. He but, he left her downstairs and went upstairs. I can't even talk to you right now. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Because, yeah, because I, I don't know if I would just be yelling or I'd just walk out. The house. I think I would have walked out and say, i got to get the hell out of here but, for a couple hours. But, yeah, all right. Either, either way, I, I see your point. His though. response and not so much her way she's delivering. I, I, I'm with Eric and that I'm, I think that there was probably something supernatural in the uh, – in, in the, the, at least the, the first time they got together, they hooked up. Well, but I don't know. That she, but I don't know that she thinks that, and I right. think there's probably a part of her that's confused as to why she did that in the first place. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And <laughs> and to be honest, that the the sex she had that night, or or, or what, what I think I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, she got 
she had sex with him while the father's dead on the ground. Or, or you know, they're not calling the, the – so she – you're right. There has to be a lot of supernatural stuff going on, and she – at that point is when she is now tainted and, and the demon or whatever it is, Ephraim, has a chance to possess her now going forward. So I think you're right. Her, she's already – she's compromised from the moment she meets the kid. And then the night of the father's death and murder, um, she's compromised completely with the demon, I think. Yeah, she's done. Yeah, so how to, how to get out of that, I, 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 don't, I don't know, um, except by – Chopping the son's head off, maybe, and 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 whatnot, but she doesn't know this, or or it doesn't figure it out, or something. I don't, I don't know. Any thoughts by anybody else on that one? I'm I mean, sorry, yeah. I had to step away for a moment. Was that? Well, do you think? Let me ask you this, Eric. Do you think she? One, basically, when she the the grandfather the father gets killed and they have sex in front of the dead body, she is now tainted by the demon in the sense that the demon now can telegraphically or whatever the word is telepathy I don't know or just possess possess her going forward. Do you think I don't know if the act of sex had anything to do with it? I don't know. I, I, that's what I, I thought it was implying that. You're right because it's not like the son got raped by the father, mm-hmm. so that's a that's a fair point. But or way, or, or well, you never know, Mike. But either way, you would think that the question I, w- I wanted to ask was: Is there any way for her to now be safe from the demon, or is she screwed at that point forever? In other words, if the movie didn't end when it did, could she have gotten rid of the demon? No, uh-huh. I think once once he's made the transfer, once yeah. it it has access from then on, and then the third time it's final. Yep. Right. The only thing, not, the only way I think out of it is to just destroy it, be, or or incapacitate in a way that it can't say the words. Well, and I don't think it's a demon. I think it's a human that just has this ability to change bodies. Yeah, that's possible. Right, yeah. which is where, like I said, I. I, I, I prefer just, that, but the whole uh, octopus sigil on the basement kind of. Well, to me, that means he used those spell. powers. Yeah, yeah it's spell. A spell. Yeah. Yeah, it's, right. it's one of those great powers that you know people don't understand from the Necronomicon or some shit like that. He's tapping the power of the the of the old ones. Would be the way I, I <laughs> took it. Yeah. It's a, whatever, it's, whatever, it's a whole D and D thing, you know. That this is this is tapping into dem- demonic powers. You know, to to get special abilities, right? And after yeah. so many years, it could be considered a, a demon, maybe. But I think he started as a human. Yeah. So basically, the problem is, and and the problem is for the characters in the book too, is, but it's not implied well enough, except when we go into the basement and we see it down there, the you know the little altar and all that shit. So I guess that is enough. But but that was my understanding too, is that he. The father or Ephron um, got used supernatural stuff, stuff like the like black magic or the Necronomicon or, or whatever. But the question is: Is it a demon or is it 
another. Because it doesn't uh, really matter in the long or, run. Yeah, right, right. Or is it another occult so, a soul that's just wandering after doing it, doing something 400 years ago or 300 years ago or whatever? But you're right. Yeah, I certainly don't think Heather Graham cares. <laughs> right. yeah, Especially yeah, not yeah. after she's dead. <laughs> sort of like, well, the, the the lunatic that assaulted you in the alleyway, was he really a psychopath or was he just a sociopath? I don't care. <laughs> So, uh, um, but yeah, yeah. So we do find, um, I don't know if, who, if it's the son that, it's his perspective or it's Heather Graham's, but I think it may have been the son's. There is a, a demony thing going on in the basement where there's a little altar and, and the, the Cthulhu, um, tentacle stuff and whatnot. So we know there's some sort of black magic going on prior to the movie starting. At least that's what my occurrence occurred, because we don't see them actually doing, you know, the black mass, right? We just see that there's an altar down there. So right. assuming there's supernatural stuff going on, and we didn't see how the supernatural stuff happened, we can assume that it must have been related to the altar thing down in the basement. Prior I to guess. The yeah, I guess. Yes, you know. Yeah, and uh, you, I, I guess you could argue if you'd like, and I, as to maybe how much they should have explained of that, the ritual and so forth. And on the one hand, it would make the rules clearer and give better understanding to the audience. On the other hand, it makes it, you know, it's the Lovecraft shit, right? It's, it, it makes it less spooky, less weird if you, the more concrete you make it. That's the whole reason. He right. Would spend, he would spend seven paragraphs ex- describing the indescribable. Um, and, and to me, always did it really, really well. But it's also what makes Lovecraft, I think, so hard to film because you can't make something undescribable on film. You right? Know, just, this would sort drive of like, you insane if you saw it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Right. Well, it's sort of like the the movie Color Out of Space, also a Lovecraft thing. The idea mm-hmm. you can you can write a book about how there's a color that that's it's an alien color that no one's ever seen before, but then you make the movie and it turns out the color is pu- is fuchsia. You know, it's just <laughs> because they can't make an, a, a color that's never existed before because we've seen them all because there's only so many to choose from. <laughs> it's in the it's it's something out of the Crayola box. That was an interesting aspect, Mike. Fair point. It's all good. Um, now, let me ask you this, guys. Uh, what did you think? Uh, we haven't talked really about Barbara Cranston's character. Um, I, I didn't know they were friends right away. It was, it was because you know they basically it starts off kind of interesting where um, it's present day and then they do a flashback where Heather Graham's in a, in a sanitarium talking to the doctor, which is Robert Crampton. And then the, late, during the flashback, we see another flashback where we find out they're friends. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. Um, what, did, what did you guys think of their relationship and the Barbara Crampton character? Because we haven't really discussed her as a character at all yet. Anyone? I like that they were really close and that... Um, but we actually, each, we actually even find out that Heather Graham's character was kind of the 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 higher in, in the relationship for work, and and they became friends because 
uh, she was a mentor to the Barbara Cranston character. Yeah. But anyway, continue, Barry. Um, I like that they're they're close, but yet she still thinks her friend is having some issues until she gets far enough to understand that there is something really going on here that's not explainable. Um, so I really like that. That was good. And I thought they did a good job of having their relationship um, seem real. Right, right. And, yeah, and I did like that they were friends well enough or, or long enough and that close enough that Barbara Cranston didn't immediately just dump this friend. Because, you know, if, if you hang out with you know somebody that you're acquaintance with and then you find out they're kind of crazy, or in this case, absolutely insane, yeah. um, you, you, you just never call them. Damn Siri. Um, Thanks, Siri. You know, what you do is you never call those people again, you know, and you just and just don't take <laughs> their phone calls and whatnot. But here, they're friends well enough, and she doesn't abandon her right away, which which was I felt was good to the plot as well. Well, because she really helped Barbara Crampton's character out at some point. We've never told exactly how that is, but yeah, she, right. does, she did something that made them friends forever. Yeah, exactly. Um, what about you, Mike? What do you think on that? On, on Cranston's character, you haven't said much about her. Yeah, well, she doesn't. She takes a back seat for the first half of the film. Um, and my and, and honestly, my thought was, oh, so they put all their money in Bruce Davidson and Heather Graham, and then they just got her to do like a bookend segment where she'll pop up at the beginning to establish that there's a relationship. And then she'll just be the character who gets to run in at the end and can you know front the the madness of the character or something like that. So I was I was pleasantly surprised to see how much more she got to do at the end of the film and how much more involved she got. There's actually the reason I ended up looking how, up how old Heather Graham was because in my mind Heather Graham I figured was was younger than me, not the same age. I mean, uh, let alone a smidgen older. Um, and I knew. Barbara Crampton, just doing the math, I was pretty sure she was in her 60s. So I just was curious about the friendship. And then when I see, okay, there's only only a 10-year gap or so, 10 to 15-year gap, is like, okay, that makes a little bit more sense. And, yeah, that there's probably a mentor type of relationship. Um, so, yeah, I think that they, that worked really well. Um, uh, I think that it was a uh, – Uh, I, I think it's also nice that it's not the kind of thing you usually see in a horror movie. You know, you don't usually see these kind of relationships between older women in horror films. Um, yeah. Usually an older woman in a horror movie is like, you know, Betty White in Lake Placid or, you know, she's a witch or, or something like that. So, again, I think this is another thing that, again, if this was if you gender swapped it, you know, and this was two dudes, I don't think it would be as as interesting because I don't think it would be quite as as unique. Well, and if it was younger women, I think it would be more adversarial. That's what we often see, too, you know. And but that's it. Usually nice when you change. have women that work together, it's almost always done as an adversarial relationship. Yeah. Right. That's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. And um, and, and, and to be honest, uh, both Heather Graham and, and uh, Cranston um, have have aged uh, really well. So so to be honest, I mean, I mean like you said, Mike, it, we know Crampton as older because of the films we saw, and then we know uh, 
um, Heather Graham, you know, I, I figured she was, well, I didn't even know how old she was, um, but all in all, it, uh, I, I would have never guessed that Crampton was, was any older than, than, um, Graham, to be honest. I mean, they, they, they both kind of looked about the same age. So, so it, it well, was I knew Barbara Crampton from like from beyond, which I said, that's I what I meant. That's, that's what I meant. Yeah. In high school. Like, so I knew she was going to be between 10 and 15, figuring that she was going to be in her mid twenties to let's see, to say 30 when she made those movies. I would have expected her to be about ten to fifteen years older than I was, and but sure that, that that's us. But but you know, like say uh, you know one of our listeners who's like twenty six, they, they don't know Heather Graham or Crampton maybe, and they just saw two women that probably look the same age. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, I can buy them. That young. <laughs> what, what, what's, what's that? Have listeners? Is it, do we have listeners that young? Uh, all you good need, question. It, all you need is is a uh, a person that that likes horror films and and searches for podcast horror and, and boom we we could pop up. So if we got if we got listeners under thirty out there. Send us an email, please. Yeah, especially if you don't live in Canada. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so yeah, I, if you're I mean, in I, Canada, we know you have nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I know we have listeners throughout, you know, various countries and stuff too. So it wouldn't surprise me if we had listeners from various um, uh, age groups as well. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know who listens to podcasts, but I, I, I mean, I, I that was more a dig of us for being old than. Yeah, that's a fair. I'm point. sure we have listeners below the age of thirty. Yeah. 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 So email us and let us know. And so how we know how old we really are. <laughs> um, Very. Yeah. So uh, what else um, do we want to discuss about this film? Um, yeah. So Mike, you mentioned. You know, we again we can go back to other parts of the film, but you mentioned the ending and how it disturbed you pretty much. And uh, get into that. Explain that because it is pretty disturbing uh, for sure. Right. Well, the movie starts with us in a body bag and the uh, people working in a morgue open, unzip the body, uh, the body bag and and describe uh, how the thing that they're looking at, you know, used to be a person and how it's all you know, like gross um, now. And um, we, of course, will later find out that this is the body of the young man. Uh, whose name I can't. Oh, Asa, right? This, this Asa, is actually yep. Asa's body. Asa, and and more importantly, we know that that's the body that um, Heather Graham is trapped in, and so it comes out as this. She wakes up in this horribly mangled, mutilated body, and she certainly doesn't have the ability, you know, after watching her fight to to keep her bodily integrity. Um. She she's lost that battle, and she's now stuck in this horribly mutilated corpse. Um, and the only way out of it is if she, um, if someone is nice enough to destroy her brain. And yeah. it's just the idea, and it's the thought of being. It uh, it sort of reminds me of the end of the Fly Two with Eric Stoltz. Um, you know where the yeah. uh, where it's, where someone's trapped in a mangled and mutilated body to be studied. Um, 
for the rest of his existence and the idea of being trapped in that. And also just the idea oh. that that Asa may be stuck in that, that that lump of a corpse that we see in the in the basement of the father's house. Right. Um yeah. right, that's really to me where the where the curse comes in. It's it's one thing you know, to lose your body, it's a, you know, it's especially like just to get moved into, um, you know, let, let's say the son gets moved into Bruce Davidson's body. Well, his Bruce Davidson's, you know, is 80 years old. He's had a stroke. He's had cancer. Um, and he's probably only got a few years left to live. That's bad enough. But the idea that when he dies, you're going to be stuck in the rotting corpse. Um, that's also pretty pretty frightening and it's and that's and that's which is what happens in the the book too that's what happens in the book right and be clear i don't i don't know what you know any of the listeners your perception of what the afterlife is but you know this is not saying like when you die you you just you just don't go to heaven it's your spirit and mind still exist there you know and who knows if you feel the pain of that mangled body um, or not, but you're still stuck in it. You know, it's um, let alone the idea if you're if you're a, a faithful person of moving on to whatever afterlife you believe in. No, you're stuck in something that would be pretty close to what I would consider to be hell. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why the movie Freaks uh, that I did as my choice for. Uh, the bucket list New Year's resolution a couple of years ago freaked me out was that th- the woman is basically her tongue chopped out and whatever and her legs chopped off and she's in a box as a chicken and it's like Jesus that's terrible existence so I, I, I see exactly what you're saying um, yeah and, and in the, the short story um, it's similar too it's basically the the, um, the wife he, the, her, the friend Derby kills the wife because of her being possessed by Ephron, the father-in-law, the demon. And then the, the demon leaves the wife and goes into Derby. Derby gets locked up in the sane asylum, similar to Barbara Crampton's character here. And Derby's soul, so Ephron is now the demon in the, the nuthouse, and then, after, uh, I mean, and then Derby's soul is stuck in the dead body of his wife, who he buried in the basement of the house, who crawls out and is a rotted corpse now and comes to, is the thing on the doorstep, basically, with a letter in its hand hidden underneath clothes to, to give to the, the narrator of the story to go to the, to the uh, sanitarium and kill Derby because that's that's my body and I'm here stuck in the soul the dead corpse of my wife and the dead corpse of the wife is is is, is I think in the body of the corpse of its father and stuff the whole thing's nuts and it's very disturbing just like here and and the the, the um, insanity we see of uh, the Barbara Crampton character is is so. So what happens here? So the Barbara Crampton's character's soul is dead, right? And then who's No, Barbara the, Crampton is in She's the one in Heather Graham's body now. Yeah, the the, body. yeah that's right, in the nut house. That's right. Yeah. Now let's let's be fair. She's gained ten to fifteen years of life now. That's true. If she could just if she could just 
play it cool, she might be able to be let out on good behavior and convince and 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 uh, and resume something of a normal life. So there are certainly far worse things that could have happened to her uh, than to be stuck in Heather Graham's body. So her, I don't find quite as horrific as as you know certainly what ends up happening to Heather Graham and what happens to the, the young actress Asa. Yeah, right, right, exactly, exactly. I don't um, know. She's in a straight jacket. She's never going to get out because that yeah. character they think killed somebody horrifically in front of the cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's well, it, but that that partly happened because she decided to go crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, it, I, I mean, like clearly you're in a position well, they, where like the cops are not going to believe you. Like they're not. You're, you're just you're you're checkmated at that point. At some point, you'd right. have to know when to resign, and she just decided to keep fighting. Right, 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 right. Yeah, but but no matter what, her her life as we know it is is completely gone. I, I wish they. Uh, oh, and I liked how um, the Barbara Crampton's character, who's now the demon Efron, um, hits on the husband. <laughs> that that was kind of creepy too. And he knew something was wrong with. Yeah, he pulled his hand away. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. nice and subtle, but it was good. Yeah, that was good. And he, he actually um, uh, knows Crampton because I'm assuming they, he's friends with her character because they're they're friends with the the wife, right? So right, that, that must have disturbed him even more when he's being kind of hit on, and it's not, and he knows it's not. There's something wrong with her too, so yeah, it's gonna. His wife's in the in, in the sanitarium, basically, and yeah, she's hitting on him. Right, right, yeah. It, actually, actually, his wife's soul is is dead, right, or stuck in the yeah. corpse. But he doesn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah, he, he doesn't know that. Yeah, he just thinks his wife is in the nut house. Yeah, yeah. Just when they were starting to have good sex again, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I guess they had no kids, that, so it didn't complicate everything. So maybe he can he can restart. I like that part of the movie when he's like, "We could do that again whenever you want." <laughs> it's kind of sad that the uh, octopus demon is, is better at sex than Heather Graham. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, I think, what a waste of a Heather Graham. Yeah. <laughs> well. Well, you know, I mean, Heather Cream was, was was pretty good. It's just that it, it, she just didn't want to do it with the husband. Well, that thing has like 400, who knows how much experience. True. Thousands True. of experience years. Helps. Yeah, <laughs> good point. Yeah, yeah. Though this was and, his and first time as, as a woman, so. Well, yeah, but he's been that, in a man's but... body for like 600 years. You, you got, you got yeah. into where all the good spots are. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Let's see. Anything else on anybody's list that they wanted to bring up that we may have missed or, or whatnot? Anything? All right. I guess I guess we're we're, we're done talking about uh, the movie. Um, so that's our discussion on the film Suitable Flesh. Um, but uh, before we get into a finality and whatnot, uh, we do have a little time uh, to discuss uh, what we've been watching, uh, our news. Um, and whatnot. So, uh, first news I wanted to bring up was that Tom Wilkinson died. He died fairly young for for an actor, I thought. I think it was early seventies, but 
either way, uh, it's very coincidental because um, we did two cinema a la carte uh, of his films. Uh, one of them's already been released, the Michael Clayton one, and the other one is uh, in the bedroom. Um, and uh, I've always liked him uh, because of those two films. Uh, so he died. So rest in peace to him. Uh, he's also well known for um, uh, the Full Monty as well. Um, and, and of course, Batman. He had a pretty good role in, in Batman Begins. Um, so, uh, Mike, why don't, why don't you discuss uh, what you've been watching or any news or something? What do you got? Uh, well, I don't want to get into the news because the news is just weird. Um, and maybe, I don't know if we, we, we want to discuss some things in the, in the next episode um, since it's the year in review. Um, but the... Um, I, I did get to see a couple of films that were not really genre um, over break. I saw uh, Maestro, which is about the life of Leonard Bernstein, which is – which was, I don't know. Yeah, it was fine. From Lawrence, Massachusetts. Same, same yeah. city My as – My father loved that movie, but he is a good ducker, so he same, might same, be biased. He was, he yeah, said, I mean, I, I actually uh, was uh, interested. Also uh, – uh, Joe Perry is also from Lawrence, Massachusetts. From Maryland. yeah, I, I think I think mm, if I can, if I can quote if I can quote uh, one Philip Perone, no one cares, no one cares, no one cares. <laughs> um, and uh, I just I just felt that the the story as presented wasn't really that interesting. I think it was well directed. I thought it was well acted. You know, said, well, the, the, uh, there's a whole lot of really good stuff in there, um, and, and I have. A, a bunch of uh, Bernstein uh, uh, performances on on uh, on disc and and in my library, but um, so well, it's not I, like I, that. This was out of my wheelhouse. I just found that the story itself, as presented, wasn't terribly compelling. I, I heard it was similar to uh, a Vanity Project for someone for Bradley Cooper because uh, he you know wrote, directed, and starred in it. Similar to uh, Kevin Spacey when he did the Beyond the Sea film, where it was really like a Vanity Project for him rather yeah, than. But Bradley Cooper's done that before, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Did you do that with a Star yeah, he, is Born? He did a did Star is Born. But um, he's got did. an ego. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe he's just really fascinated by Bernstein. It's uh, whatever. If it's if he made it, he scratched that itch. That's good for him. Uh, sure. We, we went to the theaters to see uh, the Wonka movie, which uh, me too, me too. Which which was um, actually I thought better than I expected it to be. It's uh, a musical, which they're being really careful about not revealing in the trailers because people aren't going to see musicals. Uh, uh, and I, I actually found the music good. I, I was surprised how much I liked the film. It is in no way what I say it's the uh, the equivalent of the original, but um, I don't know. I think the original is has been helped by a lot of nostalgia, uh, and I don't know that anybody who's watching it at the time would have expected people just to to be making sequels to it fifty years later. Uh, uh, I don't know, dude. My, my kids think that original Willy Wonka film is unbelievable. Yeah, but think, were, they cri- were they critics? Were they critics when it was released? That's my point. I, I, I don't, well, all right, I, I see what you're saying, but but I can see why that film has become a classic, similar to like uh, Wizard of Oz or something, because it's just such a freaking great film. Yeah, but like I loved Labyrinth when that came out, but it was a bomb at the box office. Didn't get great reviews, yeah, uh, yeah. but it, but but the power of, of David Bowie's codpiece has, has allowed it to persist through the ages. Um, 
Sure, so I like sure. that. And I and I also saw um uh the the Aquaman movie, which um is definitely flawed. Is definitely very flawed. But I yeah, like definitely lot of, definitely flawed. <laughs> but um <laughs> but I, I I you know I'm I'm a kind of a sucker for anything under sea that has sea creatures and there's a lot of great art design in it and and the it, I was surprised I think for me it probably worked better than the first one did uh as a whole uh and it's part of it's because it leans into the silliness of the whole uh comic book and superhero subgenre so you have you know the 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 villain with the the secret underground volcano lair and all the villains dressed the the, the henchmen dressed up in in a in a thematically appropriate costume. have a pool of magma. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yes, it's, it's there was. <laughs> and, oh, and it's not just a volcanic island. It's a volcanic island with a jungle full of monsters in it. Sweet. Um, now, now, there is there is maybe more peeing in mouths than I would have liked. Um, what? There is, yes, there is much more of that than I like. What? There's, there's, yeah, there's, did you just say what I think you said? Pay, pay, what what did you, you think say? you said? Peeing in mouths. Yes, peeing in mouths. Much more peeing in mouths than he would have liked. Yeah, is more than I want. Uh, I think it was parent humor, and I don't find that humor funny. (laughs) This was was, basically an Aquaman. Yeah, because Aquaman has a baby, and he's changing. And likes golden showers, apparently. (laughs) I don't know about likes, but they happen. (laughs) Um. Um, yeah, there's, 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 um, clearly a, some political messaging in here about global warming. Global warming, yep. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. And and the problem is rather than just let the story play out, they've, they've got to really hit the button hard in like two scenes or three scenes where they're just, in case you missed it, global warming is bad. And I was like, oh God, you could have just let the story play out we would have gotten it we're not that dumb um and and then there's like just the ending which was like let's what are two of the most popular marvel movies uh black panther and iron man let's rip off their endings and put them at the end here okay <laughs> for no particular reason. so there were just like weird things that happened in the film that made no sense but if i if you ignore those things i didn't think the movie was uh was, was that bad i had a good time with it i'm not gonna say it's great but it, it could have been a whole lot worse. So that kind of pretty much just catches you up. Otherwise, I've been uh, finishing off Breath of the Wild. I'm really kind of close to the end, um, and I'm going to have to take a break from gaming for a couple of months. And Breath of the Wild is is a, is the uh, the second to last Legend of Zelda game. Okay, that's um, right. so yeah, but it's taking right. up eating up a tremendous amount of time. Fuck breaks, man! You need to go right on to the next one. Fuck no, uh, I do not. Uh, anything else, Mike? No, that that's about it. All right, fair enough. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm I'm still I restarted Fallout Four a second time, back to back, and I'm already beginning to get pooped out on it. Oh, wait, wait, I take it back. I did. I watched Influencer, which I was. Uh, you guys did that as an episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was not able to to make it for that. Uh, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. I'll just say that. Yeah, that was pretty and good. Into, and if you want to know what yeah, everybody else's thoughts on our, on it, just well, go back, there was, listen to that episode and um, and then imagine prob- what I said. There was a problem with that film, and basically it, it's, it was made by Canadians. 
Yeah, but, but that's, that's the problem with a lot of and, and that's the and, and Eric decided not to join us that night, I think, because we had a Canadian. Uh, well, I was there for that one. He was oh, there were. for that one. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I missed it. I don't remember why I missed it, but I wasn't able to make it. Yeah, because for some reason I thought Sean Fox joined us on that one. He's a Canadian. But, um, yeah, I, I forget why you couldn't make it, Mike. You had something that you couldn't make it. I think maybe you were going to One of those crazy schools things. Or, yeah, or you were going to see a show in New it York or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so uh, that sounds good. So uh, for me, um, yeah, I, like I said, I'm playing Fallout 4 a bit and reading reading uh, books and whatever. But uh, I did see Wonker as well. Uh, brought the family. Um, it was going to be either that or Migration. And um, we had free tickets, and you can't use the free tickets on a brand-new film, which was Migration. So we had to see the, the Wonker film. Uh, and so we saw that, uh, which was fine. Um, but, yeah, um, I thought it was okay. Uh, it was it was not as good as I thought. I, I, I was not surprised when it was a musical because when I, I was kind of – then I said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It, it would be music in it. And I, I didn't really think this, any songs were memorable at all, to be honest. Not bad songs, but nothing memorable like in the first film uh, or the original film. Um, it was a little too long, uh, a little too um, – I, I, I mean, I know they were trying to make it. A, I think they were trying to make it to be a, a prequel to the original, but I, I didn't feel um, that this world was anything like the world from the original. Um, but you know, as a standalone fantasy film, it was pretty good. Um, the first half hour looked like it was going to be really good, but then there's this part where they're just locked in a in a house, like a prison, for a good hour of the film and, and I, I just felt that drag way too long and um and whatnot but oh no uh you know good enough uh it, it, i don't think it'll be remembered um much but but you know for film it's good um and that's all i got uh let's go view eric uh yeah i've been watching a bunch of stuff um i watched a sci-fi movie called the creator I had heard some good things about it, so I checked it out. Oh, yeah, that's on Netflix or Hulu or something, right? It's on Hulu, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really well made, but it's it's not an original premise. I've seen that before <laughs> in other places. So if you don't mind that, it's 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 well done. Uh, it's just nothing that's really fresh. Yeah, um, I saw that in the theater. <clears throat> I checked out a movie called Herd, which stars our buddy Jeremy Holm. Or as Phil refers to him, the Ranger. Um, and this movie, I I was a little bit bummed out because the blurb makes it sound like a horror movie, and it's not really a horror movie. It's it's a drama set during a zombie breakout. Um, but like all the plot is is revolving around relationships between people, not really the zombies. Um. So, I mean, it was well done, and it was well acted. It just it didn't scratch the itch. I was looking to scratch when I watched it. That's all. Um, then I watched a movie at Mr. Watson's recommendation called The Passenger. Um, and the way he described it, or I looked at the blurb, and it sounded like it might share DNA with uh, The Hitcher, uh, which is why I decided to check it out. Basically... Um, at work one day, somebody snaps and 
takes out all their coworkers except for one and then takes that dude on a road. <laughs> so, so, takes that guy down a road, you said? On the road, in his oh, car. Gotcha. Um, thus, he's the passenger. Get it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I liked the movie, but I, if it was trying to make a point, it didn't connect with me. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it was fine. I enjoyed watching it, but it felt like it might have been trying to make a larger point. And if it was, I didn't get it, but I enjoyed it. Um, I got, I ordered the 4K version of the Dead Zone from uh, Screen Factory. And it came with an interesting commentary on it from um, Eric Vespi and Scott Wampler, who is a co-host of the King Cast, which is a podcast dedicated to Stephen King. And they were joined by Mike Flanagan. Um, Oh, that's interesting. So it was interesting to listen to two uh, Stephen King experts and a successful director. um, Who's, I guess... Isn't isn't Flanagan doesn't hasn't he done Stephen King films too? Oh, several. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. There you go. So anyway, continue. So it was really interesting. I I particularly enjoyed hearing what uh, what Flanagan had to say from a director's perspective. He was pointing things out in the movie that I'd never noticed before, uh, like with lighting and such. I was like, oh yeah, he's absolutely right. There's nowhere that orange light could be coming from. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But yeah, that's, back, that's a lot of backlighting. They, they used to do uh-huh, that. That's uh-huh. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, so I, I like. I, I if you're a 4K collector, the Dead Zones were one worth picking up. It's got uh, a nice restoration and plenty of special features. And the film was, was phenomenal. Yes, it's it's a classic. Yeah. It's worth owning just to be able to watch Christopher Walken recite the Raven anytime you want. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, as Mike did, I circled back to a title that we did an episode on, but I was able unable to attend, um, and that was Follow Her. Um, oh, yeah. So I checked that out, and I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Could be a top oh, ten. That's what I've been watching. Could, that's considered a horror film, I would think, right? Which one, oh, yeah. which one was Follow Her? That's the one where we um, – the, the girl that – that, that one. That's the girl that that goes uh, upstate New York for. Uh, uh, she meets a total stranger for a writing gig. Yeah. Yeah. Did, oh, okay. Kind of like sex work and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. Okay. Because yeah. there, 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 there are a handful of films that I keep forgetting. Like I said, but, that was one. Well, uh, the, the, t- the title is kind of generic. Kind of. Yeah. And yeah, that this is the year of the the, the attack of the generic title. It really, really is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I imagine we'll be going over that in our year in review. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Mike, what was the other film that you said you forgot that you you watched, or or at least forgot that? Blood was time? one. There was oh, the yeah, one Blood. by yeah, by, right. by uh, Chrissy's friend. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's another generic in the dark title or something. Yeah, yeah. Wait, that's another generic title. Yep. Yeah, wait in the dark or something like that. Yep. So. Uh, yeah. No, Anything else? Not that I'm criticizing people who have to come up with these titles because it's I understand it's probably not easy after a hundred years of, of horror movies. Uh but or, or, or all of that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh anything else, Eric? Nope, that's it. All right. Um I did forget one other thing I, I watched. Uh so um 
uh, I have to go into the office on, on Wednesday, so after work for trivia, I, I, I blow off time at Newberry Comics. And I saw this manga called Zom, 100 Bucket List of the Dead, um, because it had like a, a hot chick on the, on the cover. So I did research on it, and I th- saw it as an anime. So I, I uh, watched anime season one, uh, the first six episodes so far on Netflix. And so basically it's about a zombie apocalypse that occurs in Tokyo. And this kid, or, or young adult, I should say, that got his jo- first job just out of college, uh, his life sucks because the job is like, they just burn you. And then what happens is the zombie apocalypse comes and he's actually kind of free now in a sense because he's not a slave to society anymore. And so he comes up with his bucket list of all the things that he was planning to do before the apocalypse and decides he wants to try to fulfill a lot of those things. And so it's his adventures uh, doing that, uh, where he also uh, meets up with his old uh, high school friend, and uh, the two of them uh, go on um, a list of, of things they want to do while uh, surviving the apocalypse and uh, meeting other people who, who join their, their group here and there. Uh, so it's a, um, it's a pretty good uh, show. Uh, I, I may check out the manga now. And the show... Um, uh, it has a lot of good zombie uh, gut, bloods and guts, so it's it's it's, it's pretty good. So, um, we, and and we may be doing a Halloween boutique psychotronic review uh, as a uh, one episode for the season. Uh, so, uh, high recommend Zom 100 Bucket List of the Dead, the manga, and then the anime is on Netflix for season one. Uh, Barrett, what do you got? Um, like Mike, I saw Aquaman two, and I also liked it a little better than the first one. Um, all of the issues that Mike related are, are true issues with the movie, but it's still just an enjoyable romp. Um, I think the chemistry between him and, uh, I can't think of the name of the Aquaman and his brother is really good. This guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the chemistry between those two is great. Much better than, uh, Amber Heard and Patrick Wilson. <laughs> oh, oh! By the way, yeah, Amber Heard and Nicole Kidman are terrible in that movie. I yeah, they're, they're, they they're are clearly. Great. We need you to run in Saturday morning, read us a couple of lines. We'll just CG an eye in a background, and then you'll be done. That's it. Well, and I think Amber Heard probably had a lot cut out because of her issues. Um, she was barely in the film, really. She almost has no yeah. lines. Um, but all in all, I really enjoyed the movie. It was re- very comic bookish and very. Um, just oriented on having fun. Um, and then let's see, I started watching, uh, the new series, uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, I was, I've not read the books. I've seen the movies and I thought the movies were just okay. I think the show is doing a much better job than the movies did. And it's pretty enjoyable. It's on Disney plus. Um, so I'm enjoying the heck out of that show. Um, the kids that are acting in it are doing a phenomenal job, I think. Uh, and then lastly, as far as games, I'm playing Return to Moria. Um, kind of addicted to that right now. I'm, I'm not playing Diablo 4 because I've pretty much done all I want to do in that game right now until there's another season, and I'm not sure even get back into it. We'll see. But Return to Moria is really fun because I am a Lord of the Rings 
fan since I was probably eight. And Moria has always been the place that really held my interest in being able to play a survival game in Moria, trying to build things up and kill goblins and orcs is just, it's like candy to me. So. <clears throat> Sounds good. Is it like, like a Sim City type thing? But No, it's a, it, you, you play a dwarf and you're trying to get out of Moria because the floor collapsed and you're trapped. And you build better and better weapons and fight lots of orcs and just try to survive. And you build up camps where you have forages and things where you can make your items and food and stuff like that. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and Moria was where, where the demon was that, uh, Gandalf Falls? Yeah, the Balrog, yep, exactly. Yeah, the, the Balrog, yeah. I actually just made it to that bridge in, in the game, which is kind of neat. How about that? How about that? All right, so uh, the top ten podcasts of the network the past 30 days. And so here we go. Uh, number ten, episode 603, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving. Number nine, episode 602, the Argentinian film When Evil Lurks. Number eight, uh, The King of Kaiju. Uh, uh, Monarch Legacy of Monsters podcast episode four parallel uh, dimension. I forget the, the rest of it. Uh, then number seven is the King of Kaiju's uh, the latest episode uh, Birthright that we just discussed uh, two days ago. It already made the jumped right to the top ten. Uh, then number number six is the uh, King of Kaiju uh, episode seven. Uh, the one uh, will the true Mae please. Stand Up or something like that it's called. Uh, then number five is episode 606 of Dark Discussions, the New Year's Bucket List 2023. And then number four is King of Kaiju episode five. And then number three is King of Kaiju episode six. And then number two is episode 605, First Contact. And then number one is six episode 604, of Dark Discussions Podcast, Godzilla, minus one. Sweet. Yep. And uh, now, Eric, uh, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. What is that? Uh, it is a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can get it wherever you find podcasts. And, uh, Mike, what's that other podcast that me, you, and Eric uh, do, and we're, we're going to be uh, doing a baseball movie uh, near the end of the month? Uh, that is the Cinema a la Carte podcast, which is the podcast we use to discuss films that are not necessarily dark discussion materials. So, like you said, we're doing our first sports film coming up. Uh, we just did a comedy in the Tom Cruise film Risky Business. We've done animated films, uh, the, the animated film uh, Inside Out. Um, it, they're making a second one of those, by the way. And there's a second one coming out. We've done um, – a Western called Hostels, a drama called Stalit. Um, so science fiction films, we've done a couple, a disaster film, the Poseidon Adventure. So we've, we've covered the gamut of a lot of different things. Um, and it really is literally whatever strikes our fancy at that particular moment. And we take turns, and our, that the sports pick is going to be Phil's, and then it's going to be an Eric, and then it's going to be a me. And so we, we're always uh, curious to see what each one of us is going to pick. 
Indeed, indeed. Uh, and now, uh, Barrett, uh, what's that podcast that me and you do? And then we have a rotating group of co-hosts, and we have a couple of things on the agenda, like uh, that anime I mentioned, uh, ZOM 100 plus uh, Peacemaker, and the Big Lebowski. What, what, what's that podcast going on? What's going Halloween on? Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, uh, where we do all sorts of different things. We interview writers, directors, all sorts of genre films. Anime, lots of different things. Indeed, indeed. All right, so uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, we did another podcast that we just wrapped up. It's called Boa Hancock and the One Piece, and I think uh, we'll, we'll uh, you can go check that out. It's based off of the Netflix series One Piece and the uh, anime and manga. Um, season one just ended. We we did a, a weekly episodes of that, and I think there will be a little bit of a discussion on of that TV show in our twenty. 23 recap episode. Um, all right, so I guess we get into our final thoughts on this film here called Suitable Flesh. Uh, so, uh, Eric, what do you got? Uh, I enjoyed this movie. It's a low budget movie, and you could tell it's a low budget movie, but that's okay. Um, everybody in it did a good job. Um, yeah, so I liked it. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, um, yeah. Uh, uh, all professional actors and actresses in the film. Uh, pretty good script, pretty good uh, direction. Uh, film was uh, um, pretty pretty good all around. So uh, I think this will probably uh, make my top ten horror films of 2023 for sure. But you know, we listen to our wrap up episode when we get to that. But uh, all in all, uh, a thumbs up and uh, uh, highly recommended. And it's uh, always good to see Pielo Paoli Paoli. Dennis Paoli, uh, come back and with another great screenplay. Um, let's go with you, Bert. Yeah, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was a good good time, and uh, I actually bought it because I didn't want to pay. And yeah, it just was like, yeah, it's just easier to buy it. So I bought it, and I own it, and I will probably watch it again because I enjoyed it, and I like the the concept of the switching bodies and all that. So, yep, absolutely. And Mike. Yeah, like I said, I think I'm the, the the least enthusiastic about this film um, for, compared to the rest of you guys, but that doesn't mean I didn't like it. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it started out slower, um, and I really just had some, like I said, some issues with, uh, with some of the performances in the beginning. Um, and I think there's only so far you can get with the premise. And I think they milked it for about all it was worth and maybe stretched it beyond uh, – where where they needed to go, um, I think I would have been perfectly happy with them ending with the real with we're pretty much where the, the short story does. Um, but other than that, I like I said I think that the the, the actors are really clearly having fun uh, chewing up the scenery, uh, especially when they get possessed or get horny or, or both. Um, and and it's like I said, I just I thought it was an interesting take on this story and on this premise and. Uh, yeah, so I enjoyed it. It's definitely going to be a recommend. It's um, and it's and it's certainly good to see uh, Heather Graham pulled into the genre, and it's always good to see Barbara Crampton and Bruce Davidson. All right, sounds good. Uh, so uh, once again, uh, the film is called uh, Suitable Flesh, a uh, new film by both. Uh, uh, Joe Lynch and Dennis Paoli, based off the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Thing on the Doorstep, starring uh, Heather Graham, 
Barbara Crampton, Bruce Davison, among others. Uh, the film is readily available on VOD Rental, uh, wherever you uh, rent films as well as purchase. And uh, the film is supposed to uh, come to Shudder uh, at the end of the month. Uh, appears here, it says here, streaming sh- on Shudder on January 26, 2024. Uh, so... Uh, depending on when you listen to this podcast. Uh, so, yeah, check it out if uh, it sounds interesting to you. And with all that stated, Eric, why don't you leave this out? All right. Thanks to tuning in. Let's just talk about suitable flush. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. Mm-hmm.